Ace of Swords. Ooh, that's pretty sick. <laughs> Look at that. Cool. So I'm going to dig up the uh, kind of it's it's the card, what the card means. You can read it out on mic. So just give that a bit of a read. We'll pull something cool out of that for you. Realization, truth, intellect, clarity, communication. <laughs> when this card appears, you'll be presented with an opportunity to use your mind to cut through obstacles. There may be a problem to solve which will lead to personal growth. You will have the mental focus to make new plans, develop new strategies, and commit effective action. A new truth will occur to you. You will understand something in a new way. You may gain a fresh perspective on an old issue, a perspective that is clear and true. When this card appears, it may be an opportunity to cut away what is unnecessary and leave it behind. This card indicates an opportunity and the necessity to do the right thing. Like all aces, the opportunity must be grasped in order to, to develop. It's pretty sick. <laughs> Oh, heck of the swords. Um, the way that so this is the sixth sixth episode, I think, of the show, and that's the most poignant one. That <laughs> like no, that's no bullshit. That's definitely you. Like you can see. That's pretty awesome. You can see that in you, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. There you go. All right, cool. That's so a that, sweet logo too. Yeah, it looks sick. It'll go up on Instagram as well. Alright, cool. So welcome to Fuck You Tarot Lady episode 6. I'm here with Cam Roberts. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, man. We are in your delightfully um, organized room. Oh, it's sunny outside. I'm spilling. (laughs) It is. We had discussed, listeners, whether we do it outside, but there's a neighbor using power tools and we just didn't want to risk it. Unpredictable power tools. (laughs) (laughs) Destructive, mate. That's it. So, um... Before we jump into anything else, I want to congratulate you on the Black Elm album. It's very exciting. Thank you, mate. It's, it's been a long time coming. How long has the band existed for? Oh, long enough. <laughs> <laughs> in, in its various forms, it's been, been quite a while now. So to have that album finally come out, um, I got insider knowledge from Matt Cleary that uh, you know, Spotify numbers are good, people are listening, there's some streams. Like it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's killer. My it's, favorite thing about that is that after all is said and done, that it's the you know ten minute long title track that is uh you know has been included in playlists and is showing the best numbers, which is fantastic. Was yeah. there hesitation to do a ten minute song, or no. was it? Not at all. It was something I wanted to do for a long time. I just didn't have, I guess, the tools, the appropriate tools at the time. But I couldn't be happy with how it turned out. I'm glad I waited. Just like, before we before we not moved. waited, but uh, yeah, took the time. Also, say tools. What kind of tools? You're talking about time. Oh, tools like personal tools. I've been able to like compose, uh, show restraint. <laughs> you know, because like you know, ten minutes is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but but it's easy to go overboard. It's yeah. easy to go completely over the top, or you know, not enough at all. It's it's quite a uh, it was quite I saw it as a challenge. You know, so. Definitely wanted to want to do more of it. Yeah, that's great. Um, we'll touch on the recording a little bit. I had Joel Taylor on the show, and he was talking about how you were a co-producer on that, and you really steered the ship there. Um, did you have any other experience in that, or was this purely because you know you've been in bands for so long? Yeah, and I kind think of... yeah, just just 
natural experience <laughs> of just you know do, uh, I've always created at some point um, musically so to be able to I guess it, it came from knowing what I wanted to a degree yeah you know the, achieving that was you know Joel was such a huge part of it and I sort of I sort of knew where I wanted to lead it but I needed someone like Joel to be able to actually make it happen. You know, he's got such a deep knowledge of music in general, but being a drummer as well as a you know, piano, uh, a pianist, <laughs> <laughs> as well as being a pianist, uh, you know, that's that's two things that you know, I that's probably the weakest parts of my musical knowledge mm. lie in those two. You know, instruments, instrument fields. So, having someone that excels in that is exactly what I what I needed. For sure. Yeah, and yeah, it's fantastic. So I've already started working on on newer stuff, um, which I'm looking forward to already because now I know that you know I can get the framework is in place. Exactly. That you exactly. Can... I can. I can just. You can just do it, like yeah. I, it's just a matter of uh, working on it. I want, I want to take a similar approach. Um, fuck, I just lost it. <laughs> no. So what you're saying is, is that um, now that you've, I, I'm sure it was a long slog getting this first album kind of out and done and happening. And now I feel like that must make things easy now, right? It's done. You can write again. You know, there's no need for this kind of pressure. It's like I feel there'd be a lot of pressure on your first album, right? Like. Oh, of course. Mainly from ourselves. Yeah, of course. It's, <laughs> I feel like, like it would mostly come from you guys. Yeah, you want yeah, it to be absolutely. the best. Yeah. Now it's out. People have heard it. People love it. Like, now you can be like, cool, the sound is good, and now you can kind of push forward. Is that, absolutely. Can I put words in your mouth and say Absolutely. That's... that's right. I mean, being able to clear my hard drive of progress demos and various stages of the previous writing, Yeah, uh, that's... A very amazing feeling. <laughs> yeah, Being like I don't need to worry about oh, any of these songs anymore. Yeah. But someone will rifle through those hard drives years later for like some me. kind of retrospective <laughs> album. You know, you got to keep keep it backed up though. Don't don't delete it. Oh no, not, not delete. I just meant delete it off uh, the uh, immediate life. <laughs> just like Put it, being able to start a project from um, absolute scratch is uh, is awesome. Yeah. So. And was there? Were you always writing? Um, like, do you always have a writing time or do you have times where you go, I'm going to start writing again? Or is there always kind of ideas? Is there always kind of... I mean, there's always ideas, but I guess it, it's hard because you got, it's hard to start something. Mm. I just know as soon as it starts, then, <laughs> then it starts and I won't, I won't be able to just, uh, it'll be bigger than me before I know it and mm. I won't be able to lock myself away and which I will do anyway. So I, I sort of need to pick. I need to pick wisely when I when I decide to delve into that world because you know, it consumes you for a while. At least, yeah. yeah, which is good. So like when we had Matt on the show, we talked about how he'd recorded his drums, you know, two years ago, and then <laughs> you waited another year, and then you guys recorded, and then yeah. by the time it finally, so it was like a, a two-year process. Yeah, it'll be You're... much faster this time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but, but right. I mean, that was life, man. That was that was not uh, any predetermined decision mm. that was that was life expressing its will upon us you know I, who am I to chase that <laughs> you know but we did we did we did whatever we could you know and 
when we did it, we did yeah. Uh, in the long run, all all challenges were overcome, and we were able to do it. Um, I think the approach from the beginning was good to be able to do it in sections. Um, and was that always discussed? It was like, well, we can't well, do this period, now. So yeah. you know, Matt, do your drums now while you're available, and then yeah, because no, I mean, uh, Matt's old work schedule, um, you know, was was quite heavy during summer. So to avoid burdening him with, uh, you know, the weight over his busiest period, because you're only going to get a tired, um, you know, you're only going to get a tired human playing, attempting to play, you know, drums at the highest level. Yeah. Like, uh, that's a huge burden for him, and I'm not going to put that upon him. You know, um, that's just one of the reasons. You know, that's like let's let's try and get the drums down while we can. And then obviously everyone was busy over summer and just sort of blew out and blew out. In that whole time, all the the riffs and the rest of the structures were getting pre-produced here, you know, just by us. In this very room. In this very room. Sweet. But being able to you know, keep refining as we went. I was just about to say, was there, was there something kind of nice about knowing that you had heaps of time to just... Well, it wasn't that I had heaps of time. It's like I, it could have gone at any moment. So I was constantly refining and I was like... I might have more time, you know. <laughs> you know, so but but in that respect, well, I guess it got better as it, you know, the longer it, the longer it took, gestated. Yeah, the longer it took, the uh, the further the songs evolved. So I feel that's I I'm, I like hearing that from people because I said I would start this podcast about a year ago and I started about a month ago. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it just needed it needed that time to like yeah. to gestate and yeah, get growing it, time. You yeah. know, otherwise I could have come out with a half baked thing, you know, and it might have been shit. And with, same with you, like maybe that time is. To, to know that That's you're right. onto something. In the end, it it became, you know, uh, especially as the songs got closer to being you know, done, it was, you know, it was clear that there was an extra level involved in it, you know, um, which was, it was clear to me. That it's like, okay, sweet. You now got the chance where you may very well mess the whole thing up. <laughs> But not by not by taking longer, but by rushing it. Yeah. So then I realised that the only self-imposed deadlines, self-imposed pressure, all of this didn't exist. It was all existed in our <laughs> expectations and our, uh, you know, our need to succumb to the pressure that we built there for ourselves. Yeah. So as soon as I was able to, or we were able to, you know, get through that and just go fuck it. Well, it'll be done when it's done. Right. When it's done, it's going to be sick. It's going to, it's going to be really good. And it's going to be something that's going to live way longer than us. Yeah. Because that essentially is the bottom line. Is that? I think that's where a lot of that pressure must come from, right? Is that you're recording this thing, you know, to to this moment in time and it's there forever. Yeah, like. yeah. and that's because, you know, we're music lovers, all of us. You know, and that's, that's, just, that's, that's why we're here. So, of course, we want to make that record last as long as we can. I mean, I'll probably never listen to it again. <laughs> yeah. But in, you know, I want someone else to be listening to it years from now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about like, um, like brutality in metal gets thrown around a lot, you know, but the album's brutal. Like from like the, the titles of the tracks to the, like the look of the album to just like, it sounds br- like, how do you, how do you craft brutality in a sense like are you thinking about that like when you're a metal band like what are the aims like is it about technical precision is it about brutality is it about the feeling like what's driving you to write a, a black helm song that sounds like that i think it's it's all of the above because 
when all of those elements were crafted by the different individuals within this band. Yeah. And I think the only way to achieve that is to have various people with personalities inside the band because that's that's the only true way to have a truly rounded record mm. or production of any type. Because if it's, if it's all one dude's vision or whatever, you, you're limited by that imagination. Yeah. You know? But if you've got four, five, six, seven other minds working on projects... You've got, and if you allow that in, you've got seven imaginations. How does that you know? work? Um, like trying to manage all those. Like, is it often that sometimes someone will come in with something that's a bit left of center? I think, or... I think, it, I think, quite, well, in our case at least, I know it's not the case with everyone, but we're extremely lucky that in our case we've got, you know, such a amazing, talented, varied bunch of interests across the various people that are involved in this, and to me that is what makes it unique. That's what makes the songs unique. That's what makes the artwork, the ideas behind the artwork, because it doesn't just stop with what you see on the on the record. You know, there's every single part of it has layers of of uh, knowledge there to be uncovered, and that wasn't there put there solely by me. It was put there by each individual each individual person um, has put their own interests embedded into the uh, into the production. Yeah, from top to bottom. So, and is that something that do you think do they do that subconsciously? We all do that. I as think artists? I think so. Yeah. yeah, especially with I mean, everyone's got a different strong point, I guess. You know, um, I mean, for instance, there was with Tim, um, Tim Anderson, your bass yeah, player. Yeah, he 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 became like he was indispensable at the time of when we were reviewing. Uh, mixes, masters, um, alternate, you know, things that were up for deliberation throughout the the finishing process. Um, Tim was fantastic at listening to those finer details and listening to snare reverbs and, you know, oh, <laughs> mate, by that point, oh, I never want to hear that thing again, mate, stop. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but however, like what I'm saying is that the strong point varies from person to person, time yeah. to time. And it's I not couldn't be fucking listening to the same song like oh, 40 yeah. times. By that point, different... I needed I needed to step away because I wouldn't have had any sort of constructive uh, additions one way or the other. Apart from you know, major things, of course. But I, yeah. I mean, on the when you really want to put things under the magnifying glass, someone it doesn't just happen. You know, someone's got to be there looking for it, weighing them up in his head and. Someone's actually got to be going from the vehicle stereo to the house stereo to the bedroom stereo to the phone stereo to the Bluetooth, whatever. Tim was actually doing that shit. He was he was going from mix to mix, from bounce to bounce with every every different. You know, and it's fantastic. Like that's to me that's an indispens- indispensable part of the process. You know, something that you know, and that's awesome. It's like that's sick. It's like a weapon. You know, it's a secret. It's a secret <laughs> weapon because. There's, there's a fine-tooth comb at all levels of the production. From yeah. when we're demoing stuff between just uh, Matt and myself, right through to sharing, you know, alternate mixes of something way, way down, further down the track. Everyone's got a different strong point, a different ear for different things, you know? And the same goes with the visuals between, you know, Matt and uh, Rob are both, you know, got incredible eyes. So a lot of the time between those two guys... The you know, 
the the ideas and the execution are, are sort of endless. Yeah. Because you know, that's going to constantly evolve between their own personal tastes, their collective personal their collective tastes, and then further on within the band. Oh, that looks brutal. That sums up how I feel when I'm playing that riff or whatever. It might be something as simple as that, or it might be something that you know is inspired by real life or TV or someone else's sick design. Yeah. So I, I like that, but I can make it way better by putting this, this, and that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is, yeah, that's a thing. Like, Standing on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. That's so funny. It's, um, because the album does have like a, I don't know, there is like an apocalyptic kind of feel to it, but I don't know whether that's just the album cover or it's, you know what I mean? Like, how much of that do you think? Like, you know, when you were younger, you're probably picking up like a... Always. You know, the, the cover of something and then it, that reflects the yeah, sound. The like, colour even. Yeah. yeah. So I think that might, I don't know whether or not... Oh, it's a thing, for sure. Yeah. You know, which, which is why I think you know, uh, LPs and like, vinyl is so sick because it enhances that experience. Yeah. Know? Because it's such a you know, larger cover, you more colour association, more artwork association. It's awesome. Especially when you get into like a gatefoldy kind of territory yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can see... Yeah, it's... um. Mastodon for me is always one of those bands oh. where it's like, what an amazing, like that's almost a bigger part of their... Was their, it Paul Jackson? Paul Jackson? Or, is he one of the dudes that did... Yeah, did you see the artwork dude? I can't remember. He does a... Uh, oh, Mastodon uses different people every record, yeah, right. so... But yeah, it could be the guy. Yeah, I can't, I, can't, oh, I can't remember what his name is, but yeah, it, fantastic. I think he did the... It was Leviathan or one of those. Oh, yeah. It was so, sick. I, I saw he had a, like, a, like an art gallery. Yeah. I got like an art, art show and it was sick, like big giant prints of this of this sick artwork. It was great. Um, I'm just quickly googling Paul Jackson, M- Mastodon. It's I can't find it. My, you must yeah, maybe use, anyway. Fuck it. Take too long. But so that's exciting. So is there a plan to release the Black Helm um, album on vinyl? Is that going to happen? Absolutely, absolutely. I just. Um, It's not something we could sort of do at the time. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's largely it's you know, self-released, so we just didn't have the funds to be able to do oh, the full have... merch release, the pre-orders, the, you know... Of course. Find the CDs as well as the vinyls. It was quite a quite an ask. So we will do the vinyls. We've already got some um, good things planned for it, but we just need to... Uh, we're just, yeah, I'm currently working on how we're going to do it. Yeah, of course. But it will happen. It will happen soon. Oh, that's excellent. It's excellent to hear. Oh, Buy it. I got the last the when it was back when it was Metal Storm. You did did the blue. Oh, the blue vinyl, yeah, yeah. shadow vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> so I have one of those. It's cool. It'll look good with my collection. Yeah, I don't have it. vinyls. Is one of those things I have enough things I spend money on. Yeah. <laughs> that it's like that's a door I don't want to open just yet. Like until I maybe I mean, get yeah. some other vinyls. Probably the last thing you need, mate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I was like, fuck. Um, but I've got a little list going in my phone that I'm like, if I ever buy vinyls, these are the ones I'll start first. You know, you don't want to just. You don't want to jump into that and start just grabbing shit, you know. You want to yeah. try and I want to try and be controlled at least at the yeah. start. Well, I mean, is good the, at the only vinyls I really buy these days is uh, largely of newer bands that I largely stream straight from Spotify. Yeah, which I do heaps of. So when you, when you do get those albums, you listen to more than a couple of times. I mean, actually, there's probably a whole cube full of records out in the other room <laughs> that uh, haven't even been opened. Yeah, you know, they're they're more of. I've just bought them, got them, got them sent here. Um, I still listen to the albums because they're, you know, they fit into my, uh, yeah, the way I stream music. But I've got a whole bunch that just bought them because, you know, that that's my way of putting it back. Yeah, and that must be a big thing, especially like you were talking about, like getting the funds together to like make vinyl and merch and 
CDs and do all this stuff. Like, this is all of your own packs. Oh, yeah, it's money. Is it something? <laughs> it's, it's money. Like, do you think about that a lot when you're in the industry yourself and buying vinyl? Like, so it's for, like, local-ish bands or just bands? I just buy it, yeah, buy it, from the, buy it from the band direct when you can. You know, little things, but mainly at shows. Man. Mm. Buy whatever you can from the shows. It's help on the tour at hand, you know. That's probably the most direct way you can support other bands. Mm. But I don't generally think about that outside of work, really. You know, I don't consciously try not to let any of that sort of shit affect the, the way I feel and operate within a band. Yeah. You know, you know privileged to work and do the things that I get to do under the label of work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so I, I know the, it's a clear difference between how I am and what I do and the decisions I make as a as a member of a band yeah compared to the decisions I make as a tour manager or a guitar tech or whatever other label I might be under fantastic look we're, I was going to eventually get to your work because I find it fascinating it's what I wanted to kind of focus the episode on so yeah. now we've done Black Elm yeah. you've segued perfectly can you tell yeah tell people about like what you do like for a job how do you describe it to people you just said so you're a tour manager guitar tech well it depends on the on the, on the scenario so largely work for either a promoter or a band manager um, and I'll contract myself out to look after an individual within a band you know like a like a singer guitarist that needs multiple guitar changes I'll be uh, taking care of that person and all instruments for that day you know then there's other formats where I might just need to look after a band that's out from Europe or all the states for a week or so and just basically guide them around the country check them in and out of hotels um, it's not my number one choice of <laughs> occupation as a few of my friends would know um, but it's still it's a very highly challenging uh, to say the least um, when, when I'm out doing that it's, yeah, it's all hands on deck a thousand things happening at once oh, it's I full imagine. on I imagine you've been to that place where the koalas are like about a hundred times now. it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I sat out the front a few times too. <laughs> Is that like the number one thing? So if a band comes off the plane from Europe or, or America, like what's the first thing they want to do when they're in Australia? Like is there something they want to see? Well, it depends. See, like... I mean, uh, I'll... it's actually getting rarer and rarer that we have bands that have never been. You know, so... Like they've seen koalas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've probably been at the same place that we took them last time. Or, you know, so <laughs> when they have a return visits, they sort of... Uh, Maybe two or three of them might go. Um, I'll probably jump. I'll probably stay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great place. I love the place. But yeah, you know, it's usually hot and you got to walk around and you know, patience runs thin. <laughs> when, when I only slept for two hours, I don't really need to get up and see the koalas again. <laughs> but it is always funny. I like, guarantee taking Norwegians to you know, a tropical koala park... Priceless. You're always yeah, you're always gonna find the entertainment in it in some way. Not just from the koalas. Yeah, it's great. Um so so yeah, you jokingly said before that you haven't worked a job in three years. <laughs> yeah, real you job. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> you you know what I mean. Like, I know exactly uh, what you mean. Because even even on the worst days of being a TM or any other sort of occupation I might be doing that day, it still doesn't it doesn't compare to call centres digging ditches or and if the other insert bad job here, I mean, I kept myself 
among the very, very most luckiest people, you know, around. Like, I get to do some pretty amazing things. Yeah. And I think as well, considering it's in your wheelhouse, you know, band life is life for you. Do you feel like you would gain kind of unlimited knowledge almost? Like, you must have... Oh, there's always room for more. Because, I mean... It, yeah, but you it, can access it, right? Exactly, like, exactly. And it's it's gone it's gone well beyond music the last couple of years because it's become more of a window into humanity <laughs> and just perspectives you yeah, know, the perspectives like, of, of, of people from other countries and seeing your country for the first time, dealing with situations, the same situation, but from a different perspective. Yeah. German perspective, Norwegian perspective, Swedish perspective. perspective. So what? what's the difference, do you think? Like, well, it's all, it just depends. It depends on the person. It's got so, nothing to do with where you're from. It's just that that's just the general um, the general effect of being with people from you know, other countries. Yeah. So you you know, need to and learn. being around that keeps you sharp. Yeah, exactly. You so need you to be kind sharp. Of like adapt to their... Just be, just be a good person, you know? Like, it's, it's actually that simple. But at the same time, just absorb the information and listen to people. You know, try, mm. try and get, try and get an idea of, you know, and that's where I found, I guess, past um, friendships, relationships, everything that's happened with me to that to this point, has only served that um, to the maximum. Yeah, you have because, to use everything you've ever learned. Well, to... it's just I didn't ever think that that would be. A thing I never thought that. Oh, don't worry, I'll use that later. <laughs> like, I, it was never a. Uh, th- I'm only starting to sort of see this unfold, you know, in real time, currently, yeah. because um, it helps me better understand a person, like quicker, you know, and and better deal with what they need to execute the show, for sure, or just live <laughs> for the day, whatever. Um, it helps me heaps to have known so many different people over my life to this point you know good and bad yeah to be able to identify other people's you know I'm not, it takes a bit to surprise me yeah well I, I think that's what's interesting <laughs> I, I'm a strong proponent in the fact that there's only so many types of people in the world you know so many so many genres or like <laughs> genres you there's know there's a few genres sub genres there's, there's there, yeah. there, of course main genres yes <laughs> But like you must have come across all of them now after all your oh, years. There's still more, mate. There's You're in there still more. Always subgenres though. You I must have know. tackled the main genres. Yeah, I've met a lot of different people. Yeah. A lot of kooky characters. A lot of funny people. A lot of amazing people. More amazing people than anything else. Yeah. Do you think that there's a connection between the work that you do and the lifestyle that you lead and bringing those people all? Like they all kind of are drawn to that in some way. Like if the, if the genre is touring musicians, are they all a part of kind of a like? Do they all have similar characteristics well i guess i guess the, the older ones yes absolutely i guess but you also have like within the mainstream or more sort of normal music not like non-metal because um, you do a lot of tech work for like you know bands that everyone would have heard of and, and and know of right yeah and and there's a lot of stories of you know your young young stars getting thrust into into things maybe too soon or whatever just prematurely them and not have to you know travel this 30 year path of of forging yourself yeah. there is still that element of you know stars getting big with one massive album getting thrown in with no previous experience at anything not even life not even school <laughs> you know or whatever like yeah you know, that because that still happens yeah at, le- at least to some degree it's probably more 
you know, it's probably more brutal now because that bit of fame lasts for way less than 15 minutes. <laughs> right. You know, like you might have someone that gets huge for like five months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Completely. And I think that um, p- people have talked about it before, like, you know, that whole concept of like this culture that we're always looking for the next thing. Like yeah. even as you listen to Black Helm's new album on Spotify, you're looking yeah. at something else. Like yeah. how does it feel to... Because you, like you were saying before, you want something that lasts forever. You want something that you can be able to, you know, hang on the wall and be like, "That's the thing." Yeah, at least that's going to be the that's going to be the uh, the goal. Yeah, you know, you know. but then and then but then you're also you know understand your audience and you know that people are going to like listen to it and then all of a sudden they're like, "Where's more?" or "Where's the next thing?" or "What's the next thing?" Like, I mean, that is an element, but at the same time, literally less than zero of that feeling went into the actual crafting of. Of, of of the songs, you need you know? to shut that off when you're completely. When you're... That, that never came into you know, my world in terms of oh we should do that for a second time because everyone's gonna love it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or like oh we should not not do it there because everyone else is gonna you know like that wasn't so much the for sure you know the thought pattern. There just, was the, there, yeah. craft it the best you know the best way that I possibly can the way that I want to hear it and the way that you know every you know, all of us want to hear it. Yeah, that's. That's enough for me. And then we can open it up for other people's discussion because it's been sorted. I think it's it's really interesting because if you talk to anyone who does anything like uh, you know people on YouTube or interviews with like big time people, they're always talking about they made the thing that they want to make, not the thing that they thought people would want. Yeah, it's and a I think, cliche comment. Yeah, hmm? it's, it's classic cliche. It is. Comment, it's, yeah. it's very cliche, but it's also like really inspiring. To be it needs like, to be said though. Exactly. Like so people are making shit that they assume people want to hear. Yeah. You know, because I mean, that is, there's an entire industry of it. <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah, because it, yeah, and it's a real thing. It's, it's it's certainly not wrong. I know heaps of dudes that do that. Yeah, you know? but there's an element of that. That's what this is. This is purely for this. Yeah, that's it. You it's, know, it's like, and it's not. I mean, that I guess that all comes down to who you choose to associate with. You know, we're not going to take our ideas to a pop producer that specialises in synthesised vocals. It's a waste of time. Like and everyone knows that. It's like that. And that we're thankful that we've got so many options. We've got, yeah. to, you know, if I want to do new metal, I know exactly the guys to do it with. <laughs> do you know what I mean? If I want to do a full raw record, I know who to go to. Like, do you think yeah. that comes from, like, you know, you're you've been in the music scene for many years now? Is that just from time of you just being in a band, or time of you doing both? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of both. Like, yeah. you just can't get to know people. Yeah, just being, just being, like, even go further back, just going to shows and, you know. You want to play to people's loves, you know? If you can do a project where every single person involved is doing something outside of their own box that they really love, they don't necessarily have to do every day, man, you're already halfway to glory. Because yeah. you're going to get extra extra effort. Not because, you know, we're any different to anyone else. It's just because the person, the thing you've tasked said person to do it's something that they've wanted to do for ages or they've always wanted to do or yeah. you're going to get it's like it's like a, it's free labour basically you know because you're you're playing to someone playing to something that they want to do and they they're going to sit there and spend the extra thought and love to go yeah fuck yeah that's exactly what I want that's exactly you know and they're going to see it through as part of their own um, their own being and their own influences will then show in that yeah you know so using someone that is is as excited at the prospect of what could be created as yourself. That's half the battle. Done. 
Right. If, so, you have, if you have to spend that whole time explaining the idea to somebody else, well, you've already wasted all that time. So it's about efficiency as well. Well, not so much. I mean, it's secondary, really. Yeah. Secondary. So it's about like. passion. And well, if you can, that, that's what you aim for. Like, if you get, you know, the dude producing it, doing the artwork, like, as far out as you can go. You might not get dudes printing merch that, 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 <laughs> that believe in it as much as, you know, or, or whatever. But the main ones, the main people in the creative world, in the creative circle, if you can be, if you've picked right, then they're going to be loving it as much as you are. Yeah. Not because we're supreme musicians, but because the project overall, you know, is something, you know, they've got space to spread their... Creative group. wings. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting, actually. Yeah. And it's great. And if you choose, choose correctly, and then you get to bounce off all those people, you know? That was awesome. Like, one thing I remember with Joel, like, everything that we did, whether it was organic out of an instrument or whether it was created you know externally was brought in and routed back through the room the sound of the room that the drums are tracked in the guitars are tracked in and it's just that invisible the invisible sound that goes with everything going through the room soaking up that invisible energy and come back on the record it's fantastic huh is that something you would have thought of before that like not really and certainly not had the discipline to actually do that yeah, you want to just just plug the keyboard in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll John yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Joel is the king, you know, because a nothing's a a problem to do. Oh, can we do this? Can we do that? For starters, that's easy. But bringing those things, you know, and f- enforcing it, you know, is fantastic. It's like that's how I knew that, you know, he's the man, and yeah. he's the guy because he's got that discipline. Oh yeah, totally. And the want and the need and the the passion to make it as good as we were talking about. <laughs> he pulled the magician out of the deck. Oh, which he did. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> which, he did. Yeah, which, look, yours is very good, but his was also like, oh, yeah, because like you make stuff, like it was like you make stuff happen. It's like, you make stuff happen. Like, he really does. Yeah, man. So, yeah. But he doesn't just make it happen. He doesn't make it happen with a sigh, you know. He gets, you know, he gets excited about it, you know. He gets excited about all sorts of cool shit and it's, you know, it, in my opinion, he's like the perfect man for for the job, as in not just with us, but as a as a, a record producer, engineer. You know, it's fantastic. Oh, fucking glowing review there! For oh, Charles. it's awesome, man. I hope he's blushing listening to this. Right now. <laughs> Someone tells him to listen. Oh, he'll listen. That's sick. Um, all right, so you know, let's get back to um, so your work. You know, like it, it is a crazy job. You work crazy hours. You're all over the place. How do you fit in time to? Not only being Black Helm, but also filling for other bands. Like you've just started playing in Galaxy. How was that first show, by the way? Did you have oh, a great awesome. time? Galaxy's greatest. That's, yeah, that's yeah, so much fun. So tell us about how you got involved with that project, like, and what that journey was kind of like. Because I guess a lot of times you'll be the kind of creative force in a band. This you were kind of. That was awesome because it was actually while we, while I was recording with Joel. He showed me. He mentioned have it, have have I heard about what Stu was doing. And I said no. He showed me a track. I'm pretty sure I immediately said, "I'm in this band." Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, something to that effect tells you that I'm playing. Like that was, or at least even if I might not have said it, but I definitely thought you it. Thought it. I knew it was happening. But then uh, it was actually really cool because around the same time I listed a Marshall head for sale on Gumtree, 
And Stu <laughs> responded to the ad and he came out of my house and bought the amp. And while I was at my house buying the amp, he he uh, he mentioned Galaxy and the songs, and basically from that moment onwards, it was uh, it was done. And then we started jamming. And I may or may not have said, hey, uh, if we if we're quick about it, we could probably get Tim on bass as well. Being that Tim is also my housemate and bandmate from Blackholm, so it was. Oh, it suits me perfectly. When you say you got to be quick about it, like because he was about oh, to leave for dinner oh, or something. Yeah, no, 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 I just, <laughs> I just mean if we just jump on it because he, I guess uh, Tim was in a, in a, you know, Tim's one of the best bass players, you know, and he's a real bass player. Yeah. Constantly, uh, he's sought after. Yeah, and he's got a thirst to play. He's got a thirst to to learn, to progress, um, and to you know, you can throw him, you can throw him whatever you want, and he'll find a way to get it done, and doesn't get much better than that so for a project like that that was not only do you know each individual each other individual uh you know separately it was uh it was it was awesome so that was my first you know as soon as we'd had that combo i'm like yeah let's let's do that because then we can jam together and just to have him a part of it another project that i'm i'm doing in just makes it stronger yeah Sweet. it's not every day that you get to jam at home on whichever project you want to play <laughs> rather than just having one set of things we can chop and choose yeah that's it's really awesome that's awesome but it was awesome yeah being able to get shown the shown the songs and then have Stu come around and buy my Marshall <laughs> it, <laughs> it felt very serendipitous oh it was great and man the songs are just scorching it's, yeah it's awesome it's been a fantastic challenge to play them on you know to, to learn them and get back into Stu's playing style. I mean, Stu, you just such a unique writer, fantastic writer, and uh, you know, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about you know the compositions in general, and yeah, it's a pleasure to play. Like, there's so, so much fun, and uh, he's done an amazing job on the songs. And I'm just stoked that I'm, I can, I could be a part of it. Yeah. Know? Like, do you feel like there's a that that kind of fun from you know, I guess with Black Helm, you're writing a lot of those riffs. With this, did you have any hand in like? Um, punching up anything? Or no, was it was done. It was, it was done. done. It was done when I when yeah when I started playing. So, so all you got to do is just pick up someone else's music and play. What does that feel like compared to? It playing feels your good own? because it feels like I'm giving back because I feel you know I'm you know with, with Black Helm I'm you know creating with Matt and then we're sort of bringing it to the other guys and you know been living with the small children <laughs> that that are songs for so long. Um, to be able to walk in and be the person that executes somebody else's grand plan is uh, is awesome. You're it like feels... a hired gun. Well, yeah, so to speak, you know. Yeah, but just... it's 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 out of it's out of love and you know respect, and you know I love Stu and I love his music and I want to get I want to be. Uh, You're like a contr- hired I wanna... gun who yeah. works pro bono. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Just buy me a house down the track. You know, <laughs> you know but. That, that's where I'm coming from. I'm seeing these amazing songs, and I want to do what do my part to to contribute to the to the overall thing. It's fun, fun band, awesome dudes, you know. And I said it the other night actually because I'm not really at the liberty to walk around and tell everyone how sick my fucking band is. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna walk around and tell everyone how sick Black Hole is. It's fucking oh, greatest songs ever, mate. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not. Not what I'm gonna do, but with Galaxy, it's like, it's with like Galaxy, your own like, band merch, you know, you yeah. can't, you can't be rocking around a black arm shirt. Oh, I'm, I've never had a problem with that, but oh yeah, 
I'm not really. The electric dynamite days was just years of wearing our own shirts on purpose. But that's kind of like electric dynamite was more like wrestling, and yeah. in wrestling you have to wear your own merch when you're a wrestler. So it's mm. kind of the same thing. I think listeners will be divided because I'm. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I mean, it comes to being in a band and wearing your own merch because it comes with a bit wrestlery, you know? Yeah, like, you wear your own Stone Cold, Stone Cold t-shirt. See? But on top, so you do Black Helm, you do Galaxy, and then on top of that, you do, you play with King as well. Yeah. So King is uh, Tone, Dave Haley, and what's Dave's last name? Dave Hill. Dave Hill. Of, like, so that's like a super group of metal titans of Melbourne. Yeah. And you were playing, you, <laughs> you, you snagged him on that one as well. Yeah, so I ended up, uh, like all of last year, the last couple of years, I've just... I've been playing bass, mm-hmm. and then uh, they've got a new record coming out, and Dave asked me to uh, switch over to guitar, and then we're going to get a bass player, so then of you course... To, you knew a I guy. Did, I knew a guy. <laughs> if we get him quick, we'll be able to get him. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, yeah, on Friday night we played, uh, we played with Nocturnal Graves, um, fantastic, it was awesome. Um, I think we did Hybrid Nightmares. And we also did Brutality. Yeah. So, that's been good. Yeah, it was great. Seeing King at Br- Brutality was excellent because it was early in the day, but they really brought it. Like, it was like a, a good kind of wake-up call for people who had gotten to the Bendigo at, what was it, like 3 o'clock <laughs> or something? Yeah, man. You know, which was great. Early. And there was, it was really good to see you guys all play together. Like, and is that similar kind of vibes? It's fun to just play something that's that's not yours? That's, that's Absolutely. For, for the exact same reason, but um, just a different format. Like um, More grim. Yeah, that band's... Um, I mean, yeah, Tony, all three of them have seen, you know, more shows than than most ever will. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's down-tuned, um, something I rarely do. I don't plan, yeah, drop-tuning or in lower-tunings, and this is in drop B. So, it's, it's another element to mm. guitar playing, different style. I get a different player altogether, different style altogether. So, for me, to, it's just another part of... You know, me wanting to expand my abilities, you know, consistently in as many different ways as possible. Instead of studying books, I'd rather play with other players and, you know, be well, a, be a part of their machine that, you know, puts out what, whatever, whatever's gone through their mind, you know, like, like whether it's Dave, Tony and, uh, and King, or whether it's Stu and, uh, Galaxy, um, my role is to contribute the, uh, the backup, you know, on the fight power. You, know, yeah. you take care of everything else, man. I'll be there to back you up on the front line. And we'll knock the walls down. <laughs> what I was saying about, yeah, with black arms, like I'm not going to walk around and tell everyone. Like, yeah. I wrote the riffs, right? I'm not going to go around and tell everyone that they're the greatest riffs of all time. <laughs> you need but, you need me to do that. <laughs> but when it comes to when it comes to Stu, especially, like they're the greatest riffs of all time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I got no hassle. I mean, it feels really good to be able to go. Yeah, how fucking good is it? <laughs> You know, it's, uh, it fills me with joy. I love playing those songs. I mean, I've never played, in all these years, I've never played a Metallica song live on stage, ever. And uh, we got to do that the other day. And, fuck, what a feeling. It's what awesome. song was it? It was a song called Escape of uh, Ride the Lightning. And, uh, <laughs> Unreal. But yeah, it's just, you know, it was just those things. Like We didn't realise until we started rehearsing it that, and this is the reason we're all here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, certain riffs, there's a couple of riffs in that song, just, you know, straight up chugs. And it's uh, it's fantastic. It feels yeah. like you're all put there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just fantastic. Like, wow. You know, something that everyone knows. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. But again, that's just tapping into another well of, of uh, memories and, you know, strengthens the bond as to why we're even 
doing any of this. <laughs> you know? It's for the love of the music. Mm. That's it, you need remembering why. But that doesn't happen every day, you know? It doesn't happen every day where it manifests itself as, you know. As, as so obviously as that. It's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. wow, how is this? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just a, yeah, remember? It's a really interesting point you, you kind of um, are touching on now. Like a couple of episodes ago, I talked about my need to do this podcast. And it's not the end game of I make podcasts, podcast goes on the internet, people listen to podcasts. It's yeah. more like doing the podcast gives you this opportunity to like talk to people, meet with people and those gears all kind of click together and Absolutely. whether it's music or podcasting or film or whatever that, it is. That goes back to what we're saying before about work. Yeah. The reason why I love what I do more and more every tour, every week is because I'm meeting extremely unique individuals, good or bad. <laughs> They're very, very rarely bad, but yeah. um, that's a learning experience in itself. Completely. Me- you know, meeting a shy dude from Sweden or Norway, Finland, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Or, or just or an over-the-top exuberant genius. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's not about who they are so much. It's more... It's an exciting thing. Yeah. You know, meet, meeting people that are, you know, unique, crazy. Insert, you know, insert word here. Like, they're out there. It's it's amazing for me to even, you know, call, uh, call it work, right? <laughs> because essentially, it's um, getting to know people from different cultures, different perspectives, different different everything, different age groups, different worlds. <laughs> you know, it's it's awesome. That That's what makes me... Doesn't matter how bad it gets, that's what makes you want to do it again. Is because I don't want to just see the same person at the supermarket every three days. Yeah. You know? I oh. Want be, I want to be flying into different. You know, it doesn't matter. My day might be identical. Might be identical, but the very minimum, I'm gonna have a different city, different airport, different van, a different. You know, like there's gonna be certain elements <laughs> to change every single day. So it doesn't matter whether. Oh yeah, we're monotonous, boring. Everything's going perfectly well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's cool. But regardless of all of that, I will be in a different city, different hotel, different bed, different, different element totally. for every day, and that's at the very minimum. That's if everything goes well. You know. I was just about to so say. To we... me, that 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 to me eliminates the work area. So that's what I call. There's no this. Oh, I'm gonna get up. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Like. Fucking waking up on a Sunday, you know, I got a bit on a Sunday night, knowing you got some shit you got to do all Monday, Tuesday, all the way to the next week. It's like it's the same for me, but I don't, I view it that way. You know, there's heaps of shit I don't want to do. It's usually because there's something better I want to be doing. Like, you know, <laughs> that's like everyone. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's the same. It's, it, it makes literally no difference. It's, yeah, it's the same except for I don't hate it. I don't, I don't need to punish myself isn't that kind of all you can ask for really exactly like, which is why I'm the luckiest one of the luckiest dudes on the planet amazing can can you can we before we go too much further can we run through a normal day for you so like people I don't even know has the media ever portrayed like what you do like ever like have you ever seen other than like a character a caricature of like someone playing a roadie or something on stage like have you ever seen like a kind of 
I know Cameron Crowe did that show Roadies that came out a couple of years ago. It was a Showtime show. Did you ever watch that? Did it? Uh, I think I've watched the episode. I didn't delve into it. Or yeah, I didn't either. I don't know. But like, other than that show that's literally called Roadies, it's about Roadies. Like, has there ever been any other times in media where you see what you do and be like, oh, that's kind no. of it? Or has it always been well, like a bit of a joke? It's always it's always been yeah accentuated yeah. massively. You know, shit like getting into the Greek. But, <laughs> like that's that's the extreme comedy end of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the worst. Worst case scenario, all the way. Do you sometimes feel like that a little bit though? Like, were there bits in that movie that rang true for you? They're like, oh, yeah. oh, I just shit like waiting and like getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, and you know, just <laughs> getting uh, fucked over in the weirdest ways. Shit that you couldn't even make up. Yeah. Like, you give me your top five reasons right now why we're not going to be at the venue on time and i guarantee you that you will not hit one of the ones that's happened to us in the last few years can we actually play this game do it okay um like i want to play practically right so the things i'm thinking of like band won't make it to gig bingo i think i think like broken down car uh, no i mean it, it's happened but it's, it's not happened. it's not uh... uh delayed flights Always. That's a concert, which is why you got to book the early ones anyway. Okay, cool. So that's... Always go early because... What about, what about like someone in the band sleeps in or like misses the flight or like you can't get him out of bed? Is that something that you have to deal with? Yeah, not not, not uh, usually. No, that's good. Well, I mean, that will just delay things, but it usually doesn't end in a missed flight. You will eventually like just go in and grab the sleeping person. Well, yeah, usually you see the... Band. Uh, band representative would... Uh... <laughs> Go and do it, but I mean that's that's why you know what room people are in. Excellent. Um, what else? Um, not making it to the gig on time. Oh, just the venue or the city. You know, yeah, like, I can't even think. Oh, oh, tra- like traffic. Yeah, I mean all of the above, but there's you know there's all right, it, con- me... it just constantly changes. All right, know? give and me some of the ones know. that have happened that have that have made you late oh. for something like. Oh, just yeah. It's it's usually has to do with hotels, or uh, you know vans. Uh, I mean, there's been times where we've gotten there, but no gear has gotten there. Oh, yeah, but right. But then there's yeah, people that are uncontactable. You know, this it doesn't doesn't happen that often here on, on our watch, but uh, usually when you're at the mercy of others mm. in another country, or everything's going to be fine, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it really is endless. But that's that's part of the charm of it. Because the second you tell me exactly how tomorrow's going to go, I'm out. Yeah. Because I'm not suited for that. That's very interesting. I'm suited for you to burn burn everything and then get me to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, so if things go smoothly, as smoothly as they can go on tour, which I'm sure isn't very smooth, you know, so... It, you, it'll still you, be perfectly fine because tomorrow's still going to be a different everything. Yeah. So let's say you wake up you get people on an early flight to the next city, the next, the next venue. Yeah, so we get we get everyone into the van and out of the hotel successfully yep. without phones and whatever, whatever else is being left. Shoes, shoes hat, get left yeah. behind oh, often. Mate. Yep, shoes, phones, power cables like iPhone charge cables, mate. The hotel must have thousands of them. Anyway, um, yeah. so that's that's just getting them. Yeah, in that, the that's just the first thing. Yeah. So, I mean, already you have to make a decision of how reliable they are the night before and figure out what time you're going to put on. Oh, so you have a sliding scale? Well, like... yeah. Well, we need to figure out, are these guys going to be there at 7.30? Or are we going to have to say 7 o'clock to achieve 7.30? Or 
we have to say 6.30 to achieve 7.30? Yeah. Like, Insert whichever your judgment is at the time. <laughs> and then you've got to get to the airport and then you've got to get the vans back and the bands checked in with all the gear, the oversize. It's, I find it quite easy now, so to speak, just because we've done it a million times. But yeah. It's still a challenge. Do you start to get to know the people at the yeah. you know the check-in desk at the airport? Yeah. Mostly across... Brisbane. <laughs> Why Brisbane? Oh, because they're Brisbane's awesome. They've got the uh, the groups check-in is right next to the oversize. What a genius idea! What an absolute maniac decided <laughs> to, to put, put oversize oh. like all the way down oh, the other side man. of the airport. Saddest. Like I, I want to design an airport, mate. <laughs> So and, and, and half of me wants to go, I'll make the best airport, but the other half makes me go, I want to make the worst airport ever to fuck over all the dudes like me in the future. So I don't know which one it came from. <laughs> you can make one of either. You can <laughs> just make a really good one somewhere. Oh, man. So yeah. what, are, what, are the, what are the key components of a good airport? Like what, like... Oh, just space. Yeah. And put the groups next to oversize. <laughs> That's it? That's all you well, need? Yeah, I mean, and stop changing it. It doesn't matter what you're changing, just don't. I oh, know it's there's some situations where you got to line up with all like you know I'm talking anything under fifty pieces doesn't really matter. We can deal with it, right? But when you're talking about sixty, seventy pieces, do you, can you imagine how many? Like giant, se- just cases? think about seventy pieces of luggage. It doesn't matter. It's even seventy hand, pieces of hand luggage. Think about how much that is on the ground. Right? It's a lot. Yeah, so you got your guitars in there, you got pelicans, you got all of these mega cases, everything from a cymbal bag to a backpack. Yeah. And where do you go? Line up, check in at some joint, and then like walk fucking through all these people. It's like sometimes, sometimes you just have to use the what you have as a weapon, which is we don't have much. So instead of constantly tidying up my party of people. I can just sort of tell them to just uh, do whatever you want, you know, because bet your bottom dollar that the airline staff will be looking after us as soon as possible. Yeah. If, if you go, oh, dude, you're talking about you're like a bunch sweaty, of t- heavy metal dudes and shit taking their shirts off playing Game Boy in the, you know, in the airport line, like laughing and watching YouTube videos and just being, you know, heavy metal touring bands. Like, it might take long for you to get noticed. People like, go help them. Yeah. Oh, can I help you, sir? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. We've got 75 pieces of luggage. We need to get them checked in. Which, is, you know, it's fine. It always works out. But, you know, Melbourne's a pain. You've got to take it off the trolley weight, put it and take it right around the back to this, you know, oversized. But Brisbane's sick because you can just go there. And sometimes they'll just weigh your trolley, right? They'll just factor in the trolley, weigh it loaded, minus the trolley, and just put it straight on. Tag it and they'll take it at the back on a trolley. Because it gets done in minutes. <laughs> so you're just but, stoked on the Brisbane leg of any tour? Or you just like, this Brisbane's be... sweet. Adelaide's sweet. Perth is pretty much the nationwide record holder. Really? It's awesome. You can check in right at the desk and the oversize is right there. And weigh it on the spot. So Melbourne's just fallen behind here? Melbourne's just changed everything. And um, it's just still really difficult. It's a pain in the ass. There's been times where the priority, like frequent fly line is longer than the like the, regular the public thing. line I'm just this is just what the fuck look it's all fine like, look, in that, but, in but that. E- even even now I sit here say all this shit none of it is as bad as old mate down the road who's fucking digging some trench in the fucking rain at yeah. 6 out of the morning 
Amazing. And we haven't even got I know to... what needs to be done. Cheers, brother, but that, that ain't me. So I'm like, I, I, but who am I to complain about a fucking... Dude. What? The distance between <laughs> point A and point B in the airport sucks. Hot yeah, tub's can... too hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's so funny though, because, you know, there are people out there, some, some of them dig trenches. They may be doing it kind of maybe unwillingly or begrudgingly. But some people love that, like the oh, simplicity right. of it. So I think that it's it's just a matter of you found something for you that just suits absolutely, your... absolutely. But but I'm also very you know careful to not, you know, I've got to, I regularly remind myself about that because it doesn't matter how shit ass my day gets, man. I I can be anywhere in the country and I'll have, I'll think of fuck, mate. There's a million people I can think of that are working shit they don't want to be doing. Yeah. And extremely talented people that are wasting their fucking time. Not, not uh, that, that. I mean, it sounds bad, but I mean, just. But it's in like they, they should be doing. No, not that they should be doing, or you know, uh, just they're just doing shit they hate, right? Mm. That's it. Regardless of whether it's work or whether it's something else, but just shit they hate. And mate, one sniff of that just uh, reminds me of how fucking lucky I am, and oh, not just me, but all the guys around me. It's like, yeah, we are definitely a minority to be able to fucking do this shit. Like, yeah, it is hard, and it's it's a specialized thing, but it's not lost on me that it's pretty unique great that's really cool um talk to me about so at this point we're already so we're at the plane in the morning you're on the plane then get to the venue because that's where the that's where the job really begins Wait, before right? that though you've got you've still got to oh. check you still got to check in the band and get aisle seats window seats vegetarian meals vegan meals fucking whatever the fuck else then you got to get through security oh yeah right so i feel like metal bands there's gonna be a lot of spikes it's gonna well, be a just, lot of Nah, well, it's all going to be checked in these days. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, no fucking around. Can't travel bullet belts, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Anyway, but security's usually fine. The thrash scene would be so upset with that. Well, it's just, that's in the preliminary emails. Really? Yeah, absolutely. All that shit is, because it's got nothing to do... There's a lot of stuff we can take out of the picture mm-hmm. before it gets to the ground. Amazing. You know? Which is... That's a whole other aspect of our operation that is not controlled by me, which is fantastic. Because now, as we take on bigger tours, more tours, it's fantastic that it's been like compartmentalized. Everyone has their little part to play. I'll only see a window of the operation because I only need to see a window. A window of what you, we, you what we what need, to, need have, to see. What we need, yeah. I, I, I could find out more if I wanted to. But, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. There's, there's sectors that, get taken care of and they all totally. happen at once and it's great to see such a um, operation sort of flourish into the into into such an amazing organization that employs so many people and po- employs amazing people to do what they do best so you're talking specifically about soundworks direct that's right yeah. so do you want to give it um before we get on to after the plane <laughs> give the listeners a bit of a rundown of soundworks direct and how that's all kind of so um, soundworks touring has been around for uh, a long time i mean they were the guys that were bringing out all the shows that I used to go to, you know, as kids, you know, uh, you know, Carcass, Cannibal Corpse, you know, Nile, all those times we saw all those um, extreme bands, it was all because of Soundworks. Um, they also managed Psychoptic at some point, at an early point, which is how Dave and Brad know each other. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, fast forward years later, um, we were doing direct touring over here. Soundworks was sort of still existing in Perth, but... I think they'll do many tours and uh, I don't remember the actual uh, way it came together but uh, you know both parties started talking and, and uh, rekindling their uh, friendships and connections and everything and it just made sense that you know 
it's pretty unique that both sort of Dave and Brad are, you know, they don't want to be on the road doing, executing it, but they're more than um, happy and willing to be the guys that are booking the shows and negotiating these, these, these amazing tours. But Dicey, who was one half of Soundworks, still wants to be on the road, and he's an amazing tour manager, um, one of the best that I've ever been associated with. And of course, I, I want to be on the road, so those two can now book the shows and the tours. Myself and Dicey and uh, Ian can go out and be the guys on the ground, which sort of opens up how our whole, uh, my, at least my day, to um, now I only have to deal with one section of it. Yeah. You know, which is, which is fantastic. Um, and just to see it evolve and turn into an entity that can add to people's lives, our lives, you know. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Well, not only is it for you guys, it's also great for the fans of, like, extreme metal because... Well, which is what it all comes back exactly, to. Exactly. It all comes like, back to, to full circle. These guys are just bringing bands out, like, constantly, always, you know, new and exciting announcements, and that's great for you because then you see those posts and you're like, sweet, that's work. Yeah, I totally... <laughs> and, yeah, usually know about it a lot, you know. <laughs> you don't well, know well, you well before out, it, Yeah, well before it comes to a flyer, but... <laughs> it's, uh... It's good. And it's, it's, it's sort of, it's become to a point where we've got our format down, you yeah. know, and, and it's, it's nice to see the long game, you know, uh, some things you've got to play slow and steady, because otherwise you can lose track of the goal pretty fast. Slow and steady wins the race, as they say. So this has been a slow build. and. Certainly. Um, and but yeah now it's leading to this like you know great operation like you said lots of people are involved now they all have different roles it feels quite like like a smooth machine that's kind of all you know yeah and uh, there's not much that I uh, there's not much that I uh, truly fear anymore about uh, any of the stuff we're doing because it's we're dealing with trusted people Um, we've got a pretty thorough um, grasp on the different cities and you know whatever we need in a certain city we know who who to call which is such a time saver and such an amazing asset to have yeah because I mean essentially that's that's what it is how quickly you can get something done in another place is pretty paramount fantastic it leads me to like my next question of so you know you get off the plane you're in a different state now like you just said, you require a lot of trusted people, people who are at venues, people who, you know, you're going to like, they're going to be delivering all like the gear for the bands. So then when you get to the venue, what time is that usually? Like if the show starts at seven or eight, doors are eight o'clock probably. Like what time are you there getting things moving before the... Two, three. Two, three? Yeah. I'll usually go down earlier. Um, but before that, I mean, we get the vans. So usually I'll have someone stays with the band and collects all the luggage from the... Oh, airport. right. The 70 pieces of luggage at the yeah. other side of the airport. So... Try and hustle as many free trolleys as we can, get everything into shit, and then uh, get everything over to the high cars. Usually, I have a one-ton van for all the gear, which I'll drive, and then twelve-seater with all the personnel. And the twelve-seater will go to the hotel, and I'll go to the venue. Usually, straight away. Who unloads the gear with you then if you get there? If it's just Probably me and Ian, who's our front of house guy from yeah. from Brisbane. Um, or yeah, and venue guys, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we'll just sort of take our time building it before the band gets there and there's usually like a schematic right like the floor plan of like how yeah the, like a like the stage amps. plot what's that called sorry a stage plot 
Plot? Yeah, plot. Cool. Stage plot. Stage plot. Yeah. So who? So the stage plot's like in your little dossier of information somewhere? Yeah, yeah. That would have been discussed long, long ago on the email chain. Yeah. So you already well, kind of have an idea before you even get into the venue. You know yeah, how it's and, and we've been talking to the usually the either the tour manager or the a member of the band about pedal boards and drums because before that I would have ordered all the stuff we need. So in the process of ordering is when I could have clarify, do we actually need this? <laughs> Can we live without it? You know, that's usually my question because, you know, in Australia we're a little bit restricted as to what we can get, especially with, you know, embellishments, gongs, things like that, <laughs> you know. And uh, Have you ever been, like, has there ever been a stage plot for a gong? Oh, there's been more than a few. Yeah? But, I mean... The, the big behind gong where, yeah, like... Yeah, like, it's a... I mean, a stage plot is always a wish list. Yeah, right. Uh, so, so they might put a bunch of gongs on there, but they don't like <laughs> a it. bunch of gongs. <laughs> no, usually uh, most of the stage plots we'll see are usually festival riders from because it's like a fly-in rider. What a band needs if they're flying into a country, sure, not not trucking into a com- country. Mm. So usually that that appeals to you know, Euro fly-in season. So a lot of the time, you know, there'll be batteries, there'll be all sorts of shit, which is usually applicable for a festival stage, but not for a uh, five-day Australian tour. So, I mean, I'm going to look at a stage plot now and tell you that straight up, don't worry about that, don't worry about that, don't worry about that. Just this, this, and this. Is that, was that trial and error though? Like the first time you saw that, you're like, let's get these guys some batteries. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, yeah, like strings, gaffer, all this shit. It's like, those guys, that's, that's their manager writing a thorough stage plot of what, case, what, what you would need from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> if all your shit gets lost, uh, you know, that's, this is what we need sort of thing. So, but they're probably going to have some gaffer. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I've got gaffer, I've got batteries. And part of the deal that we run over here is that um, we usually supply the tech, which would be me in this case. So a lot of that stuff will be covered with the fact that I'll have Batteries so you instantly me. cross off heaps of stuff. Yeah, because like all I've got, all I've got to worry about is drums, drum specs, and guitars, and and. Uh, am guitar I looking? Amps. Am I looking at um, listeners against the wall here? There's a, a beautiful big rack of all neatly labelled tubs, storage tubs with all kinds of stuff. Is this the kind of things you would before you go this on a exactly, tour? You'd. That's exactly the reason for it, because. We work with different genres, different bands, we got different needs, we got different guitars, so. There's no point in me taking Floyd Rose spares to a gig where there's all Gibsons, mm. right? So I don't need half the tools. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't mean, uh, it also needs I need I need to know where they are because I need to know <laughs> when I do need them. I need to be able to get them fast. So that's it, why I've it, labelled it all. And it's yeah, they're all beautifully labelled, listeners. They're all in like matching little drawers. They're all stacked. It's kind of reminds me of my dad's shed, but well, like it's a similar a, scenario. Yeah. It's the storage aisle at Bunnings. <laughs> You ever thought about getting uh, like some salsa jars and screwing them through the roof? And then have you ever seen that? <laughs> I've my, seen it. My dad's oh, got Oh, mate, that's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome, though. It's, it's so good. You just rip the labels off, screw the lid into the roof, and then you just unscrew when you need like a oh, light globe or something. I, mean, I love it. But yeah, it's not, it's not for this. I need, I, it's more of a visual thing. True. It's, more, it's more prepping for a tour and being able to uh, sit here the night before and go this, 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 and this. Straight into the case without having to rummage through 20 boxes of junk. 
it must take away so much anxiety for you just feel oh, like it's, it's just, all done I've, yeah. I know I've packed it it's all there yeah. everything's yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the worst part of my day really <laughs> is making is is the fly out night before trying to figure out what what I've forgotten what, yeah. I, what I need what I don't need and yeah that's that's why it's why it exists <laughs> <laughs> it's out of pure necessity well yeah it just made it faster which means I didn't have to worry didn't have to spend as much time getting ready Oh yeah, it's super efficient. And it means I can just store empty cases if that makes any sense. So all the cases out there that you walk past, mm-hmm. they're all empty. They're empty because if you call me right now saying we need to, you need to be in Sydney by tomorrow, I can go run those empty cases, flip the lid, load it full of whatever applicable shit I've got in here, and straight to the airport. Huh? That's 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 the end game. Awesome. Or if something gets forgotten, I can ring one of the boys here. So, hey, dude, can you get the case off the shelf? I need three packs of strings, two guitar straps, HDMI cable, three banner clips, a uh, bunch of cable ties, and some RCA cables. And even a fucking toddler could walk in here. Or maybe, maybe not a toddler. <laughs> yeah, probably couldn't <laughs> they, could, they, they couldn't reach the top, but... You've, 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 a small child could, could, uh, could uh, with assistance, pick the drawers that are needed. Amazing. So it's, I mean, it's pretty easy. Yeah. But it's yeah, again, it's not not the sort of thing that you set out to do in the first week of deciding that. <laughs> yeah, this, you, this wasn't the thing you did. No, nah, I didn't think week. about this until it was like at crisis point of me having mental breakdowns every time I need to leave for a tour, trying to find the fucking screw that I need. Like, don't don't beat around the bush. Like that's that's actually what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly why. This is the next hurdle I had to cross. You yeah. Every time you hit that problem you're like right well i'm gonna fix that so next time it's not a yeah. problem like you're looking you're constantly... at five years of, of work yeah looking at five years of trial, trial and error, error to figure out what containers of shit i need yeah that's fantastic so then when you get to the venue then you've you've got your stage plot you've got all your gear has been delivered so yeah. at that point now you just got to build this thing like you said, take your time take all the cases but then your next challenge is where do you put the cases where do you put the cases well Wherever they go, wherever they can fit. <laughs> I'll try and use as many as I can to build like Guitar World, Monitor World, you know, tip as many over, using as many as workbenches or coffee tables or whatever you need to do. Because then they're out, if they're getting used, I don't mind having them out. Yeah. But if they're not getting used, get rid of them. Whether they're out of the venue, I mean, I've stored them in bin rooms or outside the venue, like whatever. I don't care where they go, just I don't want to see them. Yeah. So you get that sorted. And then at this point, is that when the band starts rolling in yeah, for a sound check? Yeah. So my goal is just to get the shit at least on stage, patched in, plugged in. I may have already run a guitar through the amps to make sure they're alive. And then the band will walk in, sound check, on a perfect day. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Support band rolls in. I'll uh, introduce myself, tell them that uh, you can't go here, you can go here, put your stuff here, or whatever other rules have been deemed necessary that day. For sure. Um, well, that, that feels like another thing that's trial and error like support bands might well, it's, come it's in it's getting see- easier now because I know, I know 90% of the guys that we put on shows we've dealt with them before yeah and even if it is a new band there's probably a good likelihood that I know a dude in the band or whatever um, but it's I mean support support slots for local bands are not something that bands do their first show do like I don't have to deal with that many bands first shows or 
Yeah, or whatever. You're dealing with seasoned we're dealing professionals. With seasoned, and it's usually the same handful of bands at the same level of skill and professionalism. So, so that only gets easier as... It gets easier as the more you do, because I guess the more people that know me, the easier their day will be, because it's a known quantity. Yeah. And you know that, oh, sweet, yeah, cool. Well, when we get there, he'll tell us where he wants, wants, to, wants us to put our shit and check in with him, make sure the shit's all right. So, I mean, that's it's getting easier now, but it certainly wasn't always that easy. Yeah, I can that's, imagine. Just figure out the system of how you take every day, but that's no different to any other job. Any other job, you have to use your own um, discretion, judgment, on how you, how you want your day to be. Yeah. And you could do that by being a kind of backstage Nazi, or you could... Oh, you could. Or you could just, you could just lay down the, the yeah. purpose, which is what I... It's my chosen path is just to everyone's here to, for the same reason but at the same time there's a couple of things that need to happen to make it go without any dramas <laughs> because if there's dramas you'll lose yeah right? right so let's just avoid the dramas because that means we don't have to get to that point so that's far better for me to, to prevent issues than to create them because creating is easy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, creating issues is the fucking easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, but avoiding, managing it... Avoid, of... Avoiding them and preempting shit is way easier. And sometimes it's as simple as a phone call or, hey, dudes, can I have a chat for a sec? Here's what the deal is. These guys are riding my ass. You know what I mean? Like, if I... A lot of times if I'm, if I'm honest about what's going on, and sometimes my job's hard because I'm getting my ass kicked for time restrictions or gear restrictions, whatever it might be, Instead of just getting in a bad mood and just throwing that onto the said band. Well, hey dudes, these guys are riding me. We can't have any fucking around tonight. Or I will cut your set. I will do this. Or I will, you know, I'll give them the ultimatum from the start. Because otherwise, they're not going to be surprised. If you go over, I will... I will... Uh, you will not be... I will not be impressed. And that won't just end with me. How often does... Like a band want to play overtime, like when they're a supporting band. Like surprisingly, often? more often than you think. Yeah. And it's usually when I've got my guard down and think, ah, oh, these guys will be right. Not nine times out of ten. It's because I've got, ah, oh, these guys will be fine. And then they, and like when you say play over, like how many minutes over are we talking? I know it's usually like these guys. This is the last song because usually the band's about to go on. It's like how long have I got left? It's like yeah, this is the last song, and I'll play another one. I'm like, Phew. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it's, it's not so much like I used to get offended by it, but now it's like, yeah, well, it's your loss, mate. It's not mine because it's not up to me anymore. Like, it's like I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed for you because. Because then people are going to know. Like, well, that's right, because the first person that gets standing next to me when he goes, I'm one minute over, is a tour manager. And the first thing he's going to say is, what the fuck's going on? I said, I don't know, they just played over. And that's it for me because then. <laughs> He's just going to send an email to the dude who booked the band going, fuck these guys. And uh, if you want to act like that, well, you just showed me how old you were. Yeah. Either you're being purposely, you're purposely showing disrespect, or you can't read the time. So pick one. Get back to me. Is it true that uh, in uh, Max Watts in Melbourne, you put up that big clock? Was that you? Who no. Put, who no. brought, who um, brought that clock? That was Trev. Stuff? That was Trev, but it's five minutes. <laughs> fast by the way 
There's a couple of tours where I travelled the very same clock. I travelled the exact clock. Yeah, that's right. You had like a big clock. It's still in there. It's in there. It's, I've got a Pelican out there that has my pr- my portable printer and my clock in it. And there's a, there's, a, there's a while there where I took the clock on multiple tours. So you can just hang it upside a stage well, and be like, yeah. here's the clock. Well, it, it was yeah, digital stage manager. <laughs> Because a lot of the time, if people see it there, they understand that it's a point of concern and then they follow it. Much more effective than me saying, hey, point at my watch that I don't wear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's it's a lot more effective. It's like a passive-aggressive way of dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, I'll bring the iron fist on top of that, but here's a clock, dudes. <laughs> you know, like if you, what, you didn't see the giant red digital clock on the stage, the one that's like overshadowing your performance. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't see that man we well, got bigger problems than me yeah that's amazing so and that, that was essentially how it happened I started bringing it, bringing it into the, all these venues and um, Trav I think Trav was the one that showed, told me where to get it so <laughs> I think I think when he saw me bring it in uh, and uh, Teddy one of the the monitor engineer at Max Watts he was just like oh that's a sick clock <laughs> and that, the next time I went back there there was one there I'm like very good very good. So, if everyone could take note and follow suit, that'd be... <laughs> if you could get a clock in every venue you play, that'd be great. Um, so then, we haven't even really got to the main part of your job yet, and we're like, fuck, like an hour and a bit into this podcast. So, then you're... So, you've done all of the other bits, and then you're there, and then, like, a band is playing on stage. So, yeah. you've done your sound check, it's all good, you're hanging in Guitar World, you called it, like you've got flipped over cases you've got your guitars all laid out for changes yeah i've seen that you've had before like um running sheets of like the of all this like the set that's just my own yep. memory and it's got like all the guitars and what they're tuned in so they're yep. all ready to go yeah so at that point you're pretty much just watching like a hawk to make sure that if like you know a lead gets unplugged or something happens you run out and you fix it but, that's right but it's nothing like you're not really working at that stage no it's, i'm waiting you're <laughs> You wait. I'm waiting. If I've done my job right, I'll wait all night. Yeah. Right, because it's not about. It's just about prevention. It's about being able to. So during the sound check, I'll be able to monitor where things are, the distance of. You know, if something's at stress, like a, if a if a fallback has been moved, you know, uh, further than it normally would have, back, forward, sideways, uh, it may be creating tension bunching up a bunch of leads like that's the sort of weak spot that is going to go down first because some photographer is going to be like you know trying to get his perfect million dollar shot and uh he's going to trip over a bunch of leads and take out a pedal board or a fucking amp or anything insert scenario because it's not about protecting it from me i I can tip dance all over this shit like doesn't that, that that doesn't scare me what scares me is maybe the front of house dude or the monitor dude or the photographer or some other dude. Some Yahoo who jumps on stage to like. Mate, hundred percent, straight on the pedal board, straight out of the, you know, like whatever. You might be best case scenario, you pull a lead out. Worst case scenario, you take the jack out with it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not. I'm not just pissed off because you're gonna disrupt like ten seconds of audio. You fucked a pedal board. Well, you could you from... could potentially pull out any sort of cable from any one of the multiple inputs on the stage. Like, look, it's a. That's a that's the hazard, you know. That's but that preventing that is more important than running out with a roller gas and trying to fix something. Yeah, because it's that's pointless. So what's like when you said like you know yeah you don't you don't work you wait. What's the 
what's one of the biggest gigs where you've had to like leap in to defend or to fix something like has there been a band that was a craziness or just things happen to go wrong can oh, you there's remember heaps. there's a lot um, what springs to mind probably the gnarliest one was last year I did a it was an REM tribute night at the Palais Theatre in Melbourne the main attraction was uh, I can't remember his name Who Jeff was- Jeff Martin was his name from the Tea Party quite a prolific uh, artist a lot of people especially Australia loves him yeah he was the main guy that you know went through a bunch of different singers and then it you know it it uh, you know, built up to this amazing end part and everybody hurts there, the classic RM song yeah yeah so it, it was built, different musicians all doing different yeah so it was like RM a house song. band and then it had like different singers and stuff doing songs from throughout the career if you're an RM fan you'd love that shit oh of course yeah yeah and great so Jeff Martin's the end guy uh, he's already done his like uh, hurdy gurdy thing. He's done his mandolin, wisdom of religion, all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Guess like everybody hurts, right? So the the classics, that, like the number one hit or whatever. Mate, everyone knows it. In a car, they know oh, everyone knows it, right? So the, their version of this was to sort of build it up to the climax, you know. And it, that at that moment is where he slings on his Les Paul, you know, clicks on the Vox and just goes for this wailing ass guitar solo, you know, which is. That's the point of the show. The whole show is... This particular show was brought in quite late. I had no say over where the equipment came from um, or any of those other things. I was literally rolling on the day, meet everybody for the first time, get handed a hundred guitars, label them. (laughs) I just label them. um, With like a bit of gap and a textile? Yeah, on the rack. Not the guitar, but I label the rack, but... This particular day, I remember, like, I was hassling the guitar player from the band to give me a list of the, of the set list with with the song changes and like, there's a million guitars so going on. So you're already on. The I'm back already foot. on the back foot going like, I don't even know what the set list is. These dudes haven't even told me. I don't me even know Ari. What? <laughs> it was fine. That's all good. Like that all got sorted. Yeah. The whole show's gone all good, but cut to the climax, right? Uh, yeah, Jeff. Pulls, pulls the guitar, you know, the volume up, because he's had it slung on him the whole time. Goes to step back, pulls the volume up, nothing. Vox is dead. Worked in soundcheck, Vox is dead. Like, I've got no backup on stage because I didn't get one. And, well, I didn't get given one. You, you, like, you I didn't were order, just there. Like, I was just there. The Vox died. And luckily, he was such a, you know, seasoned professional that he was able to, uh, instead of busting into the lead, he was able to control the crowd straight away and bring it into like a sing-along sort of, started clapping his hands and like bringing the band, like bringing the, the crowd anticipation into it, which was, th- thank, thank God, to... because it enabled me to think quickly and what I did was, you know, these guys had two separate other guitar players. So the guitar player nearest to Jeff, I just looked at him straight away, dropped his lead, plugged it into Jeff um, and turned the orange rig that he had in towards Jeff, pushed it in a bit further and then uh, turned the volume up and like, at pretty much, he, this is all done with him communicating it's, with the crowd. It's almost like a and psychic link. He, he's not even looking at me but he's no, he, I came up and unplugged him and re-plugged him in so he knew I was doing something Yeah. and after a you know, minute or so he rolled the volume up and touched, you know, just touched the strings, heard that there was signal and then all of a sudden just launched into solo so that was you know that was all done on sort of 
I didn't think about it. I just had to do it. The very first scenario came was, this dude doesn't need to be playing rhythm guitar <laughs> on, on this particular section. It's the last song. It's the most important part of the whole night. Yeah. I'm going to drop your cable, mate. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because you know, he sort of looked at me and gestured. I'm like, yeah, fucking, I'm taking it. You know, like, <laughs> plug it straight in. Look, it, all in the end, it was worked. But, you know, that was a... I mean, on another on another hand, that was a turning point in my career doing this. That that was a moment that I identified as unacceptable for me to be. You know, essentially, I get I felt like I got stitched up because I was put onto a workplace without the necessary tools. You know, if you're going to have a, a situation like that, a production like that that is building towards said moment. You better have a you better have a, a contingency plan ready to go. Otherwise, you you know you're gonna look pretty silly. Yeah. And from that moment onwards, that was where I decided, you know, I'm, I'm done with this shit. I'm done with working with people. That, you know, if you want to cut corners, man, how about cutting some other corners? Don't cut your equipment. You want to cut your equipment? Well, you might as well just cut my wage, and I just won't come. Because what the fuck do you want me to do? Got out of that by the skin of our teeth, but I'm not gonna sit here and. Wait for the next one. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and uh, nah, nah. I'm, I feel that I know I know how it works, and I know how to avoid that. That means just as simple as spending an extra fifty bucks for a show that you've got two thousand people watching. What's fifty dollars to you? You know. So already, so now, cut to current day. I know what you can cut out of the budget. I know what you can't. So if he cuts certain things out of the budget, he might as well cut me out because there's nothing I can do. There's nothing like if you put me in that situation, there's nothing I can really do. I can improvise like what we saw and maybe we'll get out of it. Yeah, maybe we'll may, be able to steal a guitar lead and maybe, maybe the guitarist will yeah, clap but, and Well, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Like that happened in the blink of an eye without me even thinking. I was just like, fuck, how am I gonna fix this? I can't just what? open up the amp in the middle of the stage while the, <laughs> while the, the on-call is happening. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't just plug a next lead and, <laughs> and try, try and like, you know, there's no time to even test what, what it is. It's just like, you got to take full evasive action to get away from that thing altogether. There must be some kind of like adrenaline rush that comes with the job, right? That you must enjoy or appreciate about it. You don't get in other jobs. Like... Yeah, it's funny because it's like you spend the whole adrenaline is avoiding the adrenal, adrenaline rush. Yeah. <laughs> It's like because you got to sort of like you put all your energy into avoiding that scenario. Exactly. So if it comes anyway, then it's like, well, wait, we're here and we're riding it. And <laughs> if you get it, if you get away with it, unreal. Yeah, you're that, lucky. <laughs> is there is there a sense of relief when like a the, like the your headlining band finishes and oh, there's yeah. no issue? Just like yes, like it's like Big a time. like a weight off your shoulders. It's a huge weight. But again, it's also the thing that cl that that cleanses your palate dry every time. Like one down, fuck, fuck, you know. And then the, ne the next day is brand new again with the same challenges, different location. So it doesn't matter how good last night was. Tomorrow is going to be completely done. So you're going to end up in a different hotel, different vans, different airport, all different over again. Venues. Minimum. That's the minimum. So then the next, then then once all that shit's sorted, you're back to square one with soundtrack, and that whole thing unfolds over again. Which is why now I now know that's why I've been I'm doing this. Because that, that's what keeps me there. The unknown, the crazy freak out, the better and more comfortable you can be under that sort of wild pressure is... That's the carrot dangling. <laughs> that's the carrot dangling, you know? Holy shit. No, so I love you, that. 
I'm hoping I'm hoping the listeners have some mini panic attack just listening to that. <laughs> and just be like, fuck, I gotta do that. Because I just hear you talk about it like that, like it's so Well it, that's it. It's a it's hundred percent challenge. The harder the better. Yeah? So you're into that. So some people well, climb rocks, some well, yeah, people I mean, I'm, not, I'm not gonna I mean I know Mick Summer will probably listen to this. I mean here's a guy that toured with a band called the Lemonheads last Oh yeah. Last, yeah. yeah. So that was one of the most entertaining news stories I've ever heard. And I won't go into it, but... Is he, this, I don't have to get Mick on again. He, 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 just, he just told me that, just like last week, that he just took on Levin Heads again. And like, it's that's a whole nother league of this shit. So, but I know why he said yes. You know, here's, because you're, you're here's being... a scenario that, that like pushes an individual to the absolute brink of existence. <laughs> why would you ever want to put yourself out again? I know why. Which... It, because it's unique and it's probably never going to happen again. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and who knows, man? Fuck, it's exciting. That's crazy. How do you put... Because, I mean, yeah, if you told me how it was going to be... It's not as ex- it's not as uh, exclusive and exciting as if you said, "Hey man, I don't know what's going to happen here, but we're going to try." <laughs> or, or, or hey, or hey man, everything's fucked up and this was meant to happen, but it didn't. What are we going to do? They're the scenarios that yeah, it might be shocking, it might be uh, abrupt, but that's where the greatest shit will happen. Yeah. Not just for me, but that's that's there's a percentage of people that do their best work unguided in that moment of extreme you get to see the best in people you get to see those yeah. like those moments of like well you see the people genius. you see the people that are able to snap into action yeah and the people are just like oh man fuck throw their hands up that's neither of them are good nor bad but it's different so I didn't realise that there was such a clear cut difference between maybe so if we're talking about genres of people and subgenres, we're going to bring this back around when it comes down to it at the very top you've got people that throw their hands up and you've got people that leap into action is that well yeah and pretty much based on that you've just got a whole bunch of different types of well I mean the, the, I guess yeah I guess that's the people that, that work in that in this world yeah but uh, it I mean it doesn't have to be applicable to you know the world of touring stuff like I think but it's the world of, of management that, in general yeah so people management business management project management doesn't matter which management you want to talk about it's the exact same discipline scenarios that's why half of those guys do what they're doing. Because they don't know what bullshit they're going to deal with the next day. Imagine being HR for some mega company. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're dealing with the same bullshit scenarios. Forget the scenario. I guarantee you those dudes are in it because they're dealing with unique motherfuckers. Good or bad. They're dealing with some gnarly shit every, yeah, that... every day. Crazy. Mate, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Like, you know, the peop- there's way more than... You know, there's, there's a lot of people that have that reaction to, how was your day, mate? You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But it does illuminate a whole other you know, breed or mindset of people. You know, everyone's still the same, but it's... I guess there's people that know what sets them on fire, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I, think, I think above all of this shit, probably the most thankful and the most lucky to have even discovered what it is that can keep you coming back 
Do you know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. like something that actually gets you going, something that's in, that interests you, that keeps interesting you, keeps mystifying and hooking you into the next next thing. Because I mean, most people won't even find that ever. Well, not for a, for a long time, or, or whatever the scenario is. So, it's not lost on me that you know I'm extremely lucky to have even got to that point to know that. Oh wow, here's a little niche of a world that you know you can operate in and be relatively normal, your normal person. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. It's not it's not something that just handed out as a, <laughs> a, a participation award for being alive. <laughs> you know, and I'm aware of that, and that that. That has a big effect every day because it helps me deal with the worst situations ever. Because sometimes you get to a point where you just got to laugh because we're fucked. But it wasn't my fuck up. <laughs> and, and you know what? No, it was none of our fuck up. None of us, none of us messed it up. But it's, it's over, or whatever. And you just got to laugh because you managed. I can't believe that just happened. Just wasn't your day. Whatever. And it might be a small thing or a huge thing. Thankfully, it's never that many huge things, but. It's definitely unique. I love it. Unreal. Well, that's a great place to end the podcast on. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. All right. Post ramble for Cam Roberts. Um, I didn't really plan this one, guys. Usually, have you know, F U T L fact. Uh, I usually write the kind of post ramble thing on a Google Keep note and I read it as I'm doing it. This one's totally freehand because. Um, I'm tired. I partied last night with Cam. Uh, Black Helm played with Bloodbath last night at Max Watts. And that ended up being a pretty late night for me. So I am now clumsily editing this podcast and doing this post-ramble together. So I can put it up because, shit, I recorded this episode so long ago. And I just, talking about that laziness, guys, kicked back in. And I just haven't done, uh, haven't done it. So I'm doing it today. It's Monday. I'm getting it happening. So last year... I had this crazy idea to make a short film about Cam. There was a film festival where you could win money. And I was like, I want to win money. It was like, you know, when Spider-Man wants to get a car. So he goes and decides to wrestle for some weird reason. Because it's like in the paper. I saw that and I was like, oh, that'd be cool. I'll make a doco. That's an easy thing to make. Instead of a short film. With short film, you need actors. You need a good story. You need so much shit. Doco, get one interesting thing and then just kind of explore it. And I thought Cam was the perfect uh, vehicle for that. So I actually started and interviewed a couple of his friends and colleagues and then tried to make it happen. But I realized I'd kind of jumped in way too, way head first. Kind of like Spider-Man making the costume and then like turning out he has to fight Macho Man Randy Savage. Turns out it doesn't really work. So the documentary never really kind of came to fruition. I have all, I would say I have all the pieces. I have some of the pieces to make something that would be really interesting. But what I found great was a lot of the stuff that we kind of touched on in the doco was brought up again on the podcast. You know, you just listen to it, essentially. A lot of the stuff that we kind of, or I was trying to get to the root of, was something that it maybe takes longer than a 10-minute doco. You know, maybe it takes a, almost, you know, hour and a half conversation with Cam to maybe get some of that out, ring it out a little bit. So I, um, I, 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 was, I was glad that we kind of retread some old ground from that doco that I attempted to shoot last year. And uh, maybe one day I'll finish it. I think I'm saying this out loud. I hesitated to mention it because I'm like, fuck, people might ask now, where's that doco? I'll have to fucking make it. Um, so Cam, I'm going to have to get you back and uh, we'll film some more stuff of you talking and I'll cut it together. Um, the other thing I liked about this episode a lot was Cam's reaction to the card, which was super cool. I think when I came up with this gimmick for the show, 
to which the origins have not yet been explained on podcast. If you have talked to me about this, you probably know the story, but one day I'll tell it. I don't know if people care enough, I, I will. Um, but it was cool to see my concept kind of take proper flight. You know, Cam really was enthralled by that card and it said a lot about him. And anyone who knows Cam and now knows him from listening to that podcast, you know, like that amazing, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have picked a better card for Cam to get. So this episode kind of restored my faith in this concept that I'm like, is this a dumb concept? Is tarot going to be cool next year? Uh, I think we're in the throes of some tarot right now. I think tarot right now is kind of like dream catchers in sports girl, like five years ago. Um, so I'm hoping I haven't backed myself into a corner with a, what what seems to be or, or could be a fad. <laughs> but I think it's a great concept because Cam proved it today because, you know, tarot cards can come and go. But the fact is they've always been there. They serve a purpose. And, you know, I'm going to co-opt it for my own podcast needs and I, I really enjoy it. So I'm glad Cam really dug it. Um, I hope you guys really dug the episode. And I hope that it sounds good with my poor editing skills today while I'm hungover. Cheers.